You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. A new chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet. Are you catching too much of a buzz from us? What's that? Buzz, like an audio buzz, not literal oh, buzz. no, no, no. Was- <laughs> hey, white boy, you won't get high? <laughs> hey, white boy. Something good for ya. This week's episode of the Something Good For You podcast, where the two of us sift through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you each and every single week. Now, I'm one of your two co-hosts, Alex Stiff, and sitting beside me is the one and only Captain Nunn. Hello. And continuing on with our Skype Zoom series, a dear friend of mine that I'm very thankful to finally have on the show, which just... We our paths have crossed a few times, but it's just never lined up to where we could do this. But now this we're all trapped at home with nothing better to do. Figured it's time to call up old friends, and this one is one. This one is one. <laughs> this one, yeah. Good and, job. And, it, and at this point, <laughs> this will be the third dirt bag we've had. Yeah, we still haven't had uh, Scotty stories on. We yet. still got to get start Scotty stories. But if you already seen the title, you know who we got on this one. Cheats guitarist Devin Holiday. What's up, guys? Yes, yes. Very happy to have you on, good sir. We had the entire dirtbag crowd come out to one of my country shows once. Yeah, except well, except for Devin. Yeah, exactly. It was like I was like that was the one person that was missing. Scotty Sco- Stories came in with a suit and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> you don't see him out much, dude. Those we don't, don't we don't see him out much ever. But we've ran into him twice. Yeah, I say recently. I don't count the last. Bit within the past like six months is a lot yeah yeah. (laughs) i don't count the last few months we've been stuck at home it's almost like a weird time warp but uh yeah there was a show we played late late last year uh in gastonia it was at freeman's pub in gastonia (laughs) yeah and we just promoted it like normal and you know scotty's barely on facebook so i know he didn't see that shit and he confirmed later on he didn't he was at a fucking wedding that was close by, and the after, like the reception afterward, like all the guys went to a certain bar that was right next to where they were playing. And then he looked at the sign outside and went, "The fill-ins? Is that like the fill-ins?" <laughs> <laughs> and and he walked in. He was like, "Holy fuck! What the fuck are you guys doing here?" <laughs> him, him and a couple of groomsmen and their wives and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, so he's all like decked out in, from a wedding. Yeah, and he's so they're all coming in all like like all dressed up nice and shit and everyone else is like in their fucking punk rock it's clothes. gastonia punk rockers and stuff like that <laughs> i can the thing is is i can picture that totally that sounds like a perfect page sighting <laughs> you gotta love it i love that guy well man i I'm, like i said i'm really happy to have you on the show because there's always been a few i've Ever since the start of the show, I've always talked about the people that I'd want to get on the show the most because of just like the history and things. And of course, Tony was one. Davey was one. Um, unfortunately, as I've mentioned a few times, Jeff Young was never able to get on, but he was definitely one. Um, but man, kind of rolling down that line, um, along with say like Russ, Clayton, uh, John Bowman, Devin, you're definitely one of them because probably the earliest memory I have of the two of us or at least like positive, like kind of connection memory is when you guys rolled up to play Roanoke in that Mexican restaurant upstairs. Oh, yeah. 
and y'all were crashing at our place for the night. Uh, but y'all rolled in a little earlier that day because mom was cooking for everyone as per tradition. And so I forget, I think it was you or someone was crashing in my room. And by the time I made it upstairs, you were coming out of my room going, dude, you've got the same fucking guitar I do, but like the new model. And then you broke yours out. And then we started like jamming like misfit songs in my room. Yep, that sounds about right. Your memory is probably a lot better than mine because you weren't you weren't not anywhere near old enough to drink at that point. No, I wasn't, but was I? Yeah, I know <laughs> one of those nights you were. I know one of the nights there you were. Oh yeah, that was that same that was that same night because uh, that was the only time y'all rolled through with uh, Donnie. Oh wait, how many times we played? Y'all played up here a few times, and then the fill-ins played with you guys. One of our early, early, early shows was at the Rocket Club. Yeah, at the Rocket Club. Yeah, that was my hometown. Yeah. So that that one was with Donnie, and I think one of the times in Roanoke was with – no, actually, now that I'm thinking on it, I'm a dumbass. All of them up there were because by the time I moved to Charlotte, y'all were trying out Scotty. Okay, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. We played Roanoke. We did the Mexican restaurant. We did. Y'all the, also did the coffee pot. Yeah, and then we did some place with Anti Scene too. That was the coffee pot. No, it was a different place. Oh, was it kind of in a strip mall? I can't remember. But the night before was the, I remember that show because the night before was the show where me and Dave got in a fight on stage in the middle of Noda. And I quit the band. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Who who was talking about seeing that? Because someone actually I think brought that up. Simon said that. Yeah, I think Simon, uh, Simon from the com- <laughs> from uh, the Commonwealth. Uh, I think he was the one that brought it up because uh, actually, kind of on that same topic, of talking about future guests we wanted to get on, we brought up just the Dirtbag family in general. And he goes, "Oh God, I remember Dirtbag." He goes, uh, "Their guitarist got all pissed off one night and just threw his guitar down." And I thought they fucking that was the end of them one night. <laughs> yeah, you remember that big ass road case that I had, right? Yeah, yeah. I just started rolling that motherfucker down the middle of North Davidson Street. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, fuck this. <laughs> I can fucking see you doing that shit too. <laughs> oh God. Hey man, Ooh. you need a hand? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I remember now. It was at the, okay, I do remember. That place was barely around. We were trying to help them get reestablished because we have photos from that night. Uh, Davey had his hair with the blonde streaks in it at that time. And when you walked into the place, it was kind of like pool hall bar area. But when you kept walking further back, it almost yeah. looked like it used to be like an old people buffet cafeteria looking place or like an old tiny bar and grill. But then yeah. they just kind of cleared it out and made it to where bands could play there. Yeah, something like that. That kind of. Yeah, I remember that place now. Yeah, so you guys played up there around three times. God, I completely forgot about that show. Yeah, that was a we- that was a weird show, because <laughs> Dead Kings were on it too. No, Biggie Stardust was on it. Biggie Stardust. That's right. It. Yep, you are right. That yeah. is it. Yeah, that was one of the earlier tours for them too. That was like I think still first album. Man, Probably. talk about talk, talk about something. I'm annoyed still hadn't kept going anymore is Biggie because I was playing bass in that for a minute. 
Yeah, that just kind of on hold, or is he? I, From the sounds of it, it's just kind of on hold, and he's wanting to do like different stuff now because it seemed like he, he put a call out on Facebook looking for like hardcore punk rock singers because he wants to like just play music and something. Okay. So he's yeah. just kind of, is he just kind of like all over the place like that? Because he's been trying to do his like space rock thing for a minute too. <laughs> that, that's he, he does. He want he's got two little projects. He wants to do like yeah. a hardcore project and a space rock project. And he wanted me to play guitar on a country song he wrote. Yeah. So, so I want to, so I'm kind of want to be like, Hey man, uh, you still want to do that? <laughs> so I'm not sure. Uh, Cause this was long before any of this, any of this started where he just kind of started it and just didn't pick it up again for a minute. Yeah. And actually that's, that's actually a halfway decent segue to something I'd, I've been asking a lot of different musicians we've had on recently, which is have you found yourself kind of doing different stuff musically than you typically haven't been lately? Um, I, I started doing some really weird stuff when we finally we knew how many songs we wanted to have recorded oh. for the cheats. Okay, thank you. I was gonna say it's like by the way, the we we speak of uh, playing guitar in the cheats. Yeah. So once we finally wrapped up songwriting for the album we recorded last year, like I started really doing some weird stuff. I've yeah. got some really odd out there stuff. Like people that have heard it are like, okay, this sounds like it belongs in a Tarantino flick or something. It's, Ooh, nice. I'm like, that sounds it's, cool. <laughs> it's nothing like you would expect out of me. And it's like, I'm doing all these crazy horns and stuff all with like a MIDI keyboard and everything. And nice. It's, it's really far out there, but even, you know, even this cheats album, there's a few surprises on it. Mm-hmm. Speaking Some of stuff that doesn't typically sound necessarily like me or what you definitely not what you would expect out of the cheats. That I was actually going to comment on that because you know perks of being you know dirtbag family have gotten to already sample the record, and I do have to say that is you know hearing the past stuff uh, before you joined, I definitely hear your influence in the band a lot. Yeah, Todd, when I he first offered me to join the band. I immediately said yes without yeah. any, like, even thinking or anything. And, um, you know, then as we talked more, I was like, now you've heard dirtbags, so you know what my writing is. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, just three chord and scream. There's going to be, it's going to be, there's some poppiness to it. Right. You're a songwriter and you've got your yeah. like, bits, and, bits and parts yeah. you want to add in there and stuff like that. And so uh, he just told me, he's like, dude, as long as it's rock and roll, he's like, we can do whatever. Don't think it has to sound like everything that's happened before with the cheats. As long as it's rock and roll, I'm happy. And uh, a lot of stuff that I brought in there, the guys really latched onto. There was quite a bit that I brought in that I never thought would fly. Like what? That's on the album. Well, um, since you've heard it, Hella 69 is going to be the one that cheats fans are like. I could see that. What is this? <laughs> That's going to be the biggest one, I think. It is pretty interesting because, you know, the cheats are very, you know, brash, you know, very, you know, rough kind of music. And you brought kind of a looser Johnny Thunders vibe writing to it. And meshing the two together is, 
I say unique and sometimes that's used as a negative, like, oh, well, that's interesting. That's unique. I say right. that in the, and I say that in the most flattering way because it's very unique as in it still has that hard edge, but it has a slight extra bit of melodicness to it it's, that maybe it didn't have before. It's very yeah. musical. And, yeah. and, it, and that's why I say it's very interesting, but interesting in a good way. It's a very good positive. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it almost um, just sounds like the next progression for you guys because it feels like a lot of the bands around us, including ourselves, everyone's been kind of going through a bit of a transformation recently, like really? just kind of improving their sound. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could even go back as far as um, uh, actually uh, right before we were talking with you, uh, we talked with uh, Brad Roberts from uh, Satanic Panic. And uh, he brought up the fact that, you know, even Wildlife for their past two records, they shifted their sound a lot. Oh, compared yeah. to like, you know, their earlier stuff. So it's like, you know, they've kind of gone through a shift. Um, you know, we, we consciously went through a shift, you know, with the, the new record where it's like, you know, putting all the little extra toys on it and, you know, paying more attention to the songwriting. Um, and even talking with Brad, you know, he's trying to progress his songwriting with Satanic Panic. And with the stuff that Tony and we're writing kind of like with Superjet is kind of hinging on that. So, and even like Van Huskins and Warboys, all of those bands here locally have kind of been reaching outside their box a little bit and kind of doing like, what's the next step for them. So that's kind of been the interesting thing, even within the past few years is a lot of bands have been kind of transforming and reinventing themselves. Yeah. Hell, even Andrew was talking about that with like machines. Yeah. Only because like, if you like really like the group that you're a part of and you want it to be the best thing you could possibly, it could possibly be, you want to put out crap at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that's I want to everything that I've done prior, like, and I mean, you know, Dave and Tony are my brothers, but I want, I hope this next Cheats album just buries anything Dirtbag ever did. And you always want your current thing. thing, Oh, yeah. You always want your current thing to outbeat anything you've done in the past. Yep. Yeah. It's like as much as I am in love with this record, the next one better be better. Yeah. You know? It's like right now, I feel like what we've released right now is like pinnacle fill-ins, but it's like with what we've currently been writing. Because you, you know it's always going to be better too. Yeah. So it's like even with everything we're currently writing, I'm stacking it up against this record going, would it have fit on here? Would it have been the best track on this record? Because if not, we need to keep writing it. <laughs> yeah. So no, and I think that just comes from, you know, just a love of creating music, which, you know, I already know, and you might as well tell our audience, kind of dig back a little bit since we're talking music, you know, when did you start playing and what was those initial bands that kind of made you want to pick up that guitar? Oh God. As, <laughs> I you hate, to, admit, I hate to admit it, but CC DeVille from Poison. Hey, everyone starts as a killer man. guitar player. Say what you yeah. want about Poison. Yeah. That band I, could play and had fun songs. You know what? It wasn't even. I didn't. It wasn't even. If he was a killer guitar player or anything, I just thought he was the coolest looking motherfucker in. <laughs> I was just like, and you know, I didn't. I'm I'm a small kid in West Virginia, and I'm nine, ten years old, so I didn't know anything about cocaine. You know, <laughs> he was like that. <laughs> It's like, wow, he's just a wild man. Yeah. So, what's, the, what's that Bill Hicks quote? It's like, if, you're, if drugs are so bad, then burn all of your records. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'd say C.C. DeVille was the first one. And uh, 
I don't know. I got really, really into all the like late '80s shredders and everything. Right. Eh. But uh, what, what, but that's which uh, it it's uh it interests me because I don't see you as like an '80s guitar player or anything like that. You're pretty Johnny Thunders, but uh, Dragon kind of like a melodic rock player at the same time. Yeah, um, I can do like I still. When I'm sitting down, if I get a chance to warm up a little bit before a gig, like backstage or off to the side, I'm typically playing like licks that I remember from Steve Vai's Passion and Warfare or stuff okay. by Eric Johnson and stuff. So that's typically like it, the thing. This is one of the things with my guitar playing that I find so weird. I can play some of these really intricate shredding pieces from the eighties. But if you ask me to write something like that, forget it. I look like I, you, I, you might as well hand me a fucking tuba. <laughs> it's going to come out with just as much musical precision. I've but if somebody, seen. dude, if somebody gives me some tablature to dream theater, Oh, I'll sit down and just knock it out. That's wild. I never, like, I never saw you as that guitar player, but that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I, that, well, the very first thing, I bought my first guitar, and I bought the tab book for Steve Vai's Passion and Warfare. That's just like at, at the very start, you said? Yeah. Very first thing that I bought. Very first piece of anything that I bought. Let's just get you like the most difficult fucking tablature book ever. (laughs) And it's amazing what I still remember and can play from that album. It's just crazy. But, uh, you know, and I think that's one reason as the years went on, why I kind of did get away from that stuff. It's like I started realizing, okay, I can play this stuff these really intricate technical guitar pieces, but I don't know how to play 12 bar blues. I can't write a 12 bar blues song. You you, you were playing with your head, not with your gut. Yeah. And I think that's the thing because it was like, dude, as soon, well, it was kind of weird, you know, Zach Wilde after he quit Ozzy, you know, he did that Southern rock trio pride and glory. That's right hands down still one of my top 10 albums ever nice and that really opened up a lot for me i think i was in like eighth or ninth grade when that came out and that just that opened up southern rock blues all this stuff and i started listening to stevie ray vaughn you know i started going back into all that kind of stuff in the classic rock pride and glory was the ground zero to that huh oh yeah pride and glory i started I'm not a big fan of Black Label Society, but Pride and Glory and the first Book of Shadows. The Book of know, Shadows put, record's fucking awesome. Went, b- before Zach Wilde became Captain Caveman. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely had a Black Label phase because like every guitar, every teenage guitar player that's my age or whatever uh, got into like the shreddy stuff. Like this is Steve Vai's and we all had Guitar World magazines that featured that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, we probably went through a similar deal where, yeah, like you said, can't write a twelve bar blues, can't write a write a three chord song or whatever. And BB King does a two bends that sound way cooler than every Slayer solo I've ever heard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It took me a little bit, and um, I'm trying to think what album it was where I really, 
I really started, actually, you know what it was? And I hate to admit this even, but the very first Buck Cherry album. Ah, there it is. <laughs> I sat around jamming with that. And that I'd, at that point, I'd already taken a lot of music theory classes in college, and yeah. even high school. But that was the sitting down and learning those songs and the way they put them together there. I mean, it's so, that first album especially is pure pop songwriting 101 <laughs> and it, yeah if you really sit down and play with that album it's it, it was a good it was a good one to sit there where it kind of just put all the pieces together i find it so funny you're, you're preaching that one to cap tony's already tried turning me on to that one i was riding in the car with him a few months ago and he was like man you're gonna want to shoot me for this but listen and he puts it on and I was like, Oh God, he goes, no, 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 just keep listening. And I, and I tried, I'm just like, no, I don't, I don't fucking like it. Stop. <laughs> I, the first out, I used to be a big fan of the first three albums. What's crazy is that I was going to school in Knoxville and for some reason, crazy bitch was the shit on college campuses in the South it was in that time period. Everywhere, dude. It was everywhere. It went over like "Don't Stop Believing." It was it became a karaoke jam. It was weird. Yeah. At one point, at one point, it was the highest selling ringtone in history. Yep. I remember hearing about that. That, that had been like two thousand five, six, something like yeah, that. Something like that. God. <laughs> but at the same time, it was like the one thing that sounded like anything remotely like classic rock that would Not I could really. I could tolerate in the southeast at least. Oh, God. I mean, that's the thing, like, I, you know, my whole obsession with Scandi rock now and everything, like, dude, I didn't have internet until 2004. So, like, growing up in West Virginia, middle of nowhere, going to school in Harrisonburg, Virginia, like, I didn't know about the helicopters or backyard babies and all this shit that was, yeah. I didn't know about any of that until... You know, shit, the helicopters were almost done in 2004. Yeah. You know, Backyard Babies already had like four albums or five albums out at that point. And like, you know, the Wild Hearts, they were just, they were close to being done for quite a while at that point. Like, mm -hmm. I missed out on all that. And the closest thing that I found, I was, I had to listen to modern rock radio. And Buck Cherry was the only thing that was any good off that modern rock radio. And that's kind of where I'm getting at, too. It's like the only thing that didn't sound like goddamn disturbed or anything like that on the yeah. radio. Yeah. But yeah, no, I could see that. But, but wasn't that also around the same time as, like, Jet? <sighs> Even then, Jet... Well, Buck Cherry hit a little bit before. Okay, because so I was gonna say it's like if you Buck Cherry was way harder than Jet. We, too. we actually talked about this with Brad <laughs> yeah. too, but it's like if you want to stack fucking, do you want to be my girl next to fucking crazy bitch? <laughs> I don't know. I was young and edgy, man. <laughs> that was also my Guns and Roses phase. <laughs> so, um, so what kind of led you from going from what West Virginia? Did you move right to Charlotte from there, or was there any pit oh, stops no. on the way? Oh God, let's see. So I went, to college. I went to college at James Madison, okay. James Madison University. And then, then I went to Tampa. Okay. And that was just a mess. Um, now, knowing you, did you create a mess or was it just a mess? Uh, it 
was mostly of my own creation. <laughs> hey, a mess is a mess. Yeah. I mean, you got to. I mean, you got to know Tampa's a mess anyway. Oh yeah, no, it, it was exactly. just it was a welcoming town for it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I moved back to Princeton, but I had a sugar mama and kind of. She had a couple houses around the East Coast that I right. found. Damn her and. Then I moved, I, mo- I had some friends that uh, had moved to Lake Norman and um, I moved into their laundry closet. All right. Yeah, I could hang my, there was no washer and dryer. I could hang my clothes up and I had just enough room to lay a sleeping bag down. Damn. And that's how I got started there. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. It's roof over your head, right? Hey, absolutely. Yeah. And you had the drive. Yeah, and I I lived like a fight club. We had after we moved out of that apartment, we basically got a fight club house. <laughs> yeah, the doors didn't lock, windows didn't open, there was no refrigerator. Oh my god. Um, it was it was something else. Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, and that I that I, I laid out a sleeping bag on the floor and I had a bunch of musical equipment and that was pretty much it, some clothes. It's like a lot, that's a lot, what a lot of musicians do, especially the working musicians. They just learn how to live super minimalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've, and you've carried that on to this day. Cause we were even having a uh, talk the other day. So you were like, I don't fucking collect vinyl. Everything I have is digital. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, I've never been a collector of anything. Like, do you think it kind of came from that being, you know, already in your late teens, you know, mid twenties bouncing around so much, just kind of like keep your footprint low. So it's easy just to up and relocate. Um, I think it's a little bit of that. And then people are always weirded out to hear this. I'm like this. I love interior design. I don't think that's weird at all. And I just like, I have this thing with modern and minimalist. I love just walking into a place like a kitchen and there's nothing on the counters. I like cleanliness and order. And so that's one reason too, why I just don't collect a lot of stuff. Yeah, but you can still got to make your stuff look good because it'll bother the the interior decorator in you anyway, right? Yeah. And the thing is, too, is, you know, maybe one way, if anyone kind of gives you shit about the interior decorator shit, in my eyes, it's really not that far disconnected from someone that does, you know, Photoshop or video work. You know, yeah. you have you have an eye for a certain image and a style you want to go for. It's yeah. just instead of making it as an image or a video, you've just made it your living space. I mean, shit, I did the exact same thing. I have a corner in my room now with a fucking American flag and a cheetah print fucking backdrop with flyers and posters and shit on it and and uh, lights and shit, just so I can do YouTube videos and have a cool background for live streams. It's like, <laughs> fuck. I mean, if if you like what you do and you like having a certain image, that just falls into it, man. That's I oh, think yeah. that's I think that's cool. And and actually, I've noticed that too with you, uh, specifically the spot you had in Atlanta. That was a cool <laughs> little spot. I crashed there too. Yeah, you did. Yeah, my, so- mom, my mom was an interior decorator, so I take cues from her if I'm like trying to figure out a living space and stuff like that. And if you're OCD, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so how long after uh, rolling into Charlotte did you wind up meeting up with uh, either Donnie, Davey, or Tony? Oh, it was quite a while. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah, Charlotte was kind of weird. I lived there uh, maybe a year and then I moved to Los Angeles. Oh, word. Um, I 
pulled the Axl Rose. I sold everything I owned. I went out there with a guitar, a suitcase, and a duffel bag, rode a Greyhound bus. Did the whole thing. Uh, yeah. I got, they let me off. The Greyhound bus station is right outside the Atlantic Records building. Now, how long ago was this? So, so you were just fucking getting the stamps on the bingo card then. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but how long ago was this? Uh, 2002. Okay. And um, I did the LA thing for a little bit, moved back to Charlotte. And I just knew I wasn't ready. I knew I was still too young and naive, but I'd always planned to go back to LA. And, so, so, uh, so it felt like the town suited you. You, you just personally weren't ready for it yet. There was more to it than you were thinking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just young and not too young, too not well, not too young, but way too naive. That makes sense. Gotcha. Um, you know, and, and that's the thing. You know, I grew up on Hit Parader magazine and Metal Edge and all this, and you know, all all you, all you got to do is be, you know. Good looking just and go move out, to LA. Just go out and party and look cool, and you're going to get a record deal kind of shit, you know. Which, but this was 2002. It wasn't 1988. Yeah, that was going to be my question. What was LA like uh, in in that time? If you uh, spent enough time with the musicians over there, it was nothing like what we've seen in the magazines and stuff. <laughs> you know, and ain't the documentaries come to life. No, not at all. It's almost uh, like they're, uh, the one time I went, it felt like all the, the whiskeys and the rainbows and all that were just more, more touristy than a hangout spot. You yeah, know? definitely. Like museum pieces almost. Yeah. Um, you, I, you know, I've had some fun nights at the rainbow and met some Oh, it's super that, fun. But um, I've been there, well, I was there during NAMM. Also, so I think that was it. Got a lot more party scene during that, gotcha. obviously. But um, yeah, I dug more like uh, Slim Jim Phantom's old bar, the Cat Club. It was okay. Like, right, it was between the whiskey and the Rainbow. It was almost right beside the whiskey. But that was a cool little spot, and it wasn't, you know, the tourist trap. Yeah, there was still a culture there, almost, or a, a bigger music culture in that area. It seemed like it to me. I mean, I could be completely wrong. You know, hardcore LA guys who have been there for 20 years might say it was just as bad. But. And I, and from my experience, it was between Christmas and New Year's, so no transplants were there either. So, Oh, yeah. But. Yeah, it was, it was interesting, but I just knew I wasn't quite ready for that yet. Yeah. And I always planned to go back, but um, stuff would just happen and I wouldn't. And uh, is that in the future still, Los Angeles? No, no, you couldn't pay me to live there now. Oh, <laughs> no joke, especially with the the housing market and everything too. Well, I've just discovered like I'm such more of a New York kind of. I love New York. I, L.A. just does nothing for me now. You're just an East Coast guy. Yeah, I really, I feel yeah, the East Coast. If I go west, it's going to be the desert in Arizona, like out, two hours outside of Phoenix. Yeah. Denver's pretty cool too. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah. I was going to say, but even with like your musical taste and everything, it feels like 
aside from, you know, the Swedish rock and everything, a lot of your musical taste does come from like New York East coast kind of style too. So just even the vibe of your music kind of fits with yeah. where you'd want to be. And that's been the evolution. That's the thing. I, you know, I, back then, you know, I was just waiting for hair metal to come back again or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's 2002. I've just, we've gotten through grunge and new metals, the thing right now. And I'm just, I'm fucking dying for the hair metal that I grew up with on you know, headbangers ball. Yeah. You know? Especially cause VH1 yeah. classic was already back in swing and they were having like hair mania and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Velvet revolver kind of filled that void a little bit to, uh, they were more cock rock. Than hair metal. It was a, it was its know. own thing, but the Guns N' Roses vibe, I probably filled that void and brought it back a little bit. I I don't know where I stand on Velvet Revolver. Really? Yeah. I, I I wasn't. I remember when that album came out, I bought it, and I just remember it wasn't what I was hoping. Yeah, you'd probably like the second one a lot more than. Well, I go back to both of them. And I think I do like the second one better, but neither one of them. I'm just like, I don't know. There's best. There's definitely jewels and stinkers on both. Ne uh, yeah. Neither are, uh, neither are perfect records. No, way exactly. I, I could make a solid record out of both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's true. Make, so a how many hits, make a greatest hits package out of those two albums and you'd have one solid album. Dude, there are so many bands I could do that with. <laughs> I think me, me and Devin were at uh, Scott Weiland's last show in North Carolina before he died. No shit. It was yeah. that, you were there at that Asheville well, show, weren't you? Yeah. It was only like four days before he passed. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, and it was like right there. He was slurring between songs too. He was just like, "You guys are from North Carolina, all right?" But he would like nail the performances. Wow! Yeah. So, so he had the Aussie thing where so between songs he sound like a bumbling whatever, but then singing like a fucking angel afterward. <laughs> Me and my buddy were like, "He is not fucking sober." <laughs> no, no, no. But I think Biters were on that one too. Yeah, they were. Oh, I bet that was a killer show. That's why we went because it's like, oh, biters are on, cool. And Scott Weiland's a nice icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah. Well, how many yeah, different I'll, bands? I'll, what's that? Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, uh, how many? No, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, you hang up first. <laughs> um, how many different bands were you in in the Charlotte area at least before uh, Dirtbag kind of got formed? Uh, probably just two. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And one just went nowhere. Yeah. It was just, I mean, the other guys that were in the band, they were all like really good. They were much older. I think I was like, God, I was like 24 and they were all like around 50. And Oh, wow. It was, it was bar room, 50 right. guys, rock and roll. But I was just desperate to play and I wasn't finding what I was looking for. <laughs> like when I played in Seoul. <laughs> Yeah, so. Remember that fucking thing? That uh, goth rock horror punk band thing I was in for like a hot minute? Oh, shit. I forgot all about Soul. Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've shown you photos of that shit. It's still on my Facebook. I forget that's what it's... I forgot yeah. all about that. Yeah, everyone has their fucking I just want to play music phase. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Everyone's got the skeletons, man. <laughs> oh, no. I got one even better, dude. Do you remember, um, 
oh god what's their fucking name bones uh, uh you know the guy that plays guitar for chris jericho that had the rich ward yes what yeah. was his, what was the band he had oh uh talking about stuck mojo Yes. Okay. The lead singer is Stuck Mojo Bones. Okay. okay the first yeah. guy they had. Yeah. I, I went out and I was, I, they had me come out to play bass for his new band. And I went out and did that <laughs> with them for a while. That was. You want to hear something hilarious? I played bass with the replacement Stuck Bo- uh, Mojo vocalist band for a minute. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Lord Nelson. Lord Nelson. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was part of the uh, the Fifth Man Studios team, and uh, when when there was um, no power, no crown, that Cap played bass in, and actually uh, Matt McCoy he played drums in it for a while too, and uh, it had Lord Nelson on vocals. Yeah, uh-huh. made a record and did absolutely nothing about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was a good record too. I haven't listened to that in a minute. I hadn't either, but I remember it being good. I think it's still in my car. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> we, we never got that far with Bones. Yeah. Um, how many, did you, how yeah. many shows did y'all do? Oh, there was no shows even. Oh, shit. Oh, so it was just practicing. Some rehearsals, and that was about it. <laughs> you were just like, no. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really. Um, because that's the thing, though, is I'll always associate you with Dirtbag. And then what was the one band you were in for a minute when you were in Atlanta? Oh, the Damned Angels. Yeah. I always associate you between Dirtbag, Damned Angels, and now Cheats. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the three main things that I would rather people remember me for. <laughs> <laughs> that's always the good thing to be like, you know what? If those are the three you do remember, I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, we all have our our uh, crappy demo bands that we've had in the past. Like, there's like one group I played with in college that basically did fucking, you know, the karaoke cover songs and shit like that. And there are recordings of those out somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, my old one's out there. I think we've got four or five songs on YouTube, an old one. So, oh, yeah, my time in Angry Youth. That real fast crust punk band with the singer with the long ass fucking Scotty. See, Alex is too punk rock for all of us. His first band was a crust punk band. Was yeah, that we, a- we played with we played with you guys at the uh, that was at the uh, Mexican restaurant. Okay. Yeah, that that was a messy show. I, I think like, I think that was the show that uh, y'all had to turn around and pick up the microphone, uh, uh, the harmonicas because Tony left them. So Roanoke's yeah. just always been weird, is what I'm hearing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, who did you wind up meeting first in a dirt bag, and how did all that even get rolling? Oh, this is a good Davy story. Okay, here Sweet. you go. <laughs> Cap gets his Davy story. It's not so much. It, it involves Dave, but it's not so much Dave doing anything crazy. Um, so my band pre prior to Dirt Bag, we were looking for a bass player, and we, me and my singer and this girl, I was banging at the time we were all out at this uh 80s dance club the breakfast club in uptown oh yeah 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 okay so we were out there and me and my lady friend were looking for another girl to take home that night (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) so we meet this one girl we start talking to her and everything and uh she seems into us and so we propose the come on back with us. And she's like, Oh, I'd love to let me go ask my boyfriend. (laughs) 
All right. <laughs> oh, she goes and gets baby dirt. <laughs> Do I want to know the ending to this story? <laughs> baby dirt became my bass player and. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, yeah. you played bass too. <laughs> he played guitar. I actually, I don't, he wasn't even a bass player at the time, but we were just like, yeah, can you just play open string, eighth notes, open strings for like four minutes at a time? Yeah, yeah I can do that. Do that. <laughs> so, I love how we both knew exactly how he'd say it too. Just like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> So that's how Davey Dirk became a bass player. I love it. <laughs> I love playing with him in Superjet, dude. Uh, Especially in recent years because he got um, he really cleaned himself up a lot, and uh, oh, yeah. and and he was just such a joy to be back around because he he found his new hobby, which was tinkering with guitars, yep. and he got yep. so good with it. Yeah, it's it, that was the thing when we played our last show as Dirtbag. Tony was like how is it that our last show is like the one where we're like, we finally all like clean up our act and then we decide to call it a day. Actually, like, was it that the rim show after the one I played drums for? Yeah. Yep. That's what well, I no, thought. Well, we, that was the one you played drums for was in March. Oh yeah. And, and then we played then, the next night, but our very last show was in October. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. I remember that. Damn, that was y'all's last show? Yeah. It was uh, prow the Cheats, Prowess, Us, and the Biters. We were going to be on that one. Yeah, but it was like on a Thursday, and we were too yeah. chicken shit to take the, that Thursday off. Yeah, oh, he, yeah. yeah he was like, uh, yeah, we've got Dirtbag, Cheats, and Biters. You guys want to come up? We're like, ah. so like nowadays we like kind of like think about it, but yeah, it's like we had only played up there maybe once or twice, and it was like, ah, it's a Thursday, and it's a six-hour drive, and on a yeah. good day, <laughs> we thought the biters would still be around. Right yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, I wish we had that. fucking taken that just so we could be like, we played with the biters before Tuck got all big and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think Cat. Brad said he put 130 people in the basement that night. Yeah, he packed it out. Yeah, it was insane. I love that photo uh, that he's got. It's like you almost see everyone. I see your head in it, Brad singing along. It's like during the biter set. They yeah. usually, uh, the rim usually uses their uh, header photo. Mm. But yeah, you just see their entire place just packed out and everyone singing along with the Biden yeah. set. That was, that's a really cool photo. I like that. Yeah, that was a good night. Yeah, actually, thanks to that night and you freaking out over Wildlife's uh, newest record at the time, Contraband, I think. Was that the name yep. of it? Yeah. Uh, the one from the, the, the very Second last, the last one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as soon as you saw that, you're like, oh, sweet. And you immediately put it on and I was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> and dude, being up at the rim has gotten me on all kinds of rabbit holes as far as like uh, finding out about bands in Atlanta and Chicago and things like that throughout this circuit. Oh, yeah. We were well, that was, I mean, that's how I started finding out about a lot of these bands was just the showdowns, like the Down South showdown, the play oh, yeah. playoffs and all that. Like, that's how I discovered this whole circuit around the country. How long ago? Uh, what was your first one? Because I've only been hip to it for like maybe three or four years at this point. Um, it was. Let's see. It was the first first one they did. The Heart Attacks reunion. Okay. Like, 
two, maybe I feel like it was maybe like December of 2013. Okay. So you called it pretty much at the same time, maybe a few years well, after. I just knew about the biters back then. I didn't know about this entire circuit until oh, we started playing with more folks regularly at the rim, really. So I didn't yeah. realize there was like this whole like underground circuit of bands of this ilk, which is great. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, I had, and Brad Roberts and I, we were, we were talking about the exact same thing on the last episode where he kind of started finding all this around the same time Cap and I did. And how it's just interesting how within even the last few years, it feels like a lot more people have kind of connected up and started meeting each other, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah. And all these folks know about all the Scandinavian shit that we all nerd out over. So it's, it's like little pockets here and there that it feels like everybody's best friends as a result too. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's just such a fun thing. And especially for us, you know, cause you know, villains have had the worst fucking time trying to find <laughs> our lane and trying to find, you know, support. So it's like to find so many like-minded bands like this, it's like, Oh my God, it, it just, it does the soul good. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. So uh, how'd y'all wind up meeting Donnie through all this? Oh man, we put out a, um, we put out a Craigslist or a MySpace ad. You and Davey? Uh, well, no. We met Tony. We had a drummer prior to Donnie. Oh, okay. Um, so me and Dave, we were in the band prior, and uh, that split up. And I was thinking about going back to L.A. But then I just kind of, I don't know. I just, I didn't, that's when my mind started shifting about, did I really like L.A.? So I hit Dave up one night and was like, dude, you want to give this another shot, but take it in a more, a little bit more punk, you know, um, not quite so polished sounding. So we put a Craigslist ad out, found Tony. And like two weeks later, we found a drummer and he played with us. I think he did the first record. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah the very first record waking up in my chucks, he did that. And then, um, he quit and yeah, we just put out an ad for Donnie and MySpace or something. And he came out and tried out and he actually had a tryout one rehearsal. And then we went to Myrtle beach bike week and played that Friday and Saturday. Sweet. His first <laughs> rehearsal was on Thursday and then we played Friday and Saturday night. You got to love it, though, especially throwing them in the deep end. It's like, see how you swim. <laughs> yeah. We had a great time. He killed it. He had, I remember he had a Walkman and headphones, like a CD Walkman, and he had it in there. He listened to it all the way to Myrtle Beach on the drive down, and then we get to the bar and load out and everything, and he goes back to the van, and he's sitting there with his headphones on listening to it. And, and man. Actually, talking about that, that, that's actually really funny. You know, he, he was doing that with us, too. Because remember what happened on our West Virginia show? No. So on our way there, our, the singer at the time and I ride, rode together, and the bassist was riding directly behind us. Well, the drummer was getting off work and riding up after. Well, he was getting super late and not responding to text messages or phone calls. So uh -huh. we were freaking out. 
And I forget in what way it came about. Someone suggested that I reach out to Donnie. So I reached out to Donnie and was like, yo, could you play a fill in set? He goes, send me the songs. And apparently he was like listening to that and jamming it on the way up because that's what, so remember you guys got to the set because you guys were supposed to headline. But I was sitting here going, I was like, our drummer still isn't here. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and through okay. that, Oh, actually, that's what it was. Y'all showed up and we were like, our drummer still isn't here. And Donnie stepped up. That's what it was. He stepped up and was like, dude, do you have a CD? Do you have material? I'll listen to it real quick. I'll see if I can play the show. Okay. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. What it, happened to this guy? He was just a late asshole. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a thing with drummers? Uh, he was a special case. <laughs> but man, th those were some wild nights. That was the night that... um. We've got that video of us uh, clashing together to do Where Eagles Dare. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I've, seen that. That, I've seen that video. And you're wearing a Jason's guitar and it looks like you're fucking Paul McCartney or some shit. Yeah. It, I, it's so <laughs> weird. No. What's funny is like uh, I stumbled upon it the other day and at the very end of it, uh, somebody comes up to you and starts talking and you just be like, buy the CD. I'm sort of like, nothing's changed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, was, I, was, I was in promo mode back then too. Yeah, there is at the end of the video, someone comes walking up to me. They're like, wow, you had a great sound. Like, thanks so much. You want to buy the CD? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, thank me. Thank you. Give me your money. <laughs> well, I think it was a free show anyway. So that was the only way we were going to get some cash. Right. <laughs> Whatever happened to that place? Cause that was the rocket club in Bluefield. Yeah. Um, it just shut down. I mean, there's not much up in that area for, for live music. Yeah. There but I remember seeing the wall there. and there was like a lot of like bigger or like kind of, I say bigger, bigger indie bands that kind of came through at that point. Cause I remember seeing stuff like coffin cats on the wall and a few others. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've gotten some stuff through there. Cause I mean, you got to remember blitz kid is from that area. I remember seeing them on there too. Yeah, and they're from that area. That's, you know, I've known some of those guys for shit since the mid, since right when Blitz Kid was beginning. Yeah. And um, so I think that's one thing. I think honestly, Blitz Kid brought stuff like some of the more horror themed stuff, like maybe the Coffin Cats and stuff like that through there. Um, I know there is a venue in Bluefield again that's getting some pretty decent stuff. Um, Cause I feel like who was it? Oh, J bomb from the sex slaves. Yeah. He plays with a band right now out of New York city and they played Bluefield recently. Oh, so he's back out doing stuff. Yeah. He's still out there. He's okay, basically, he's basically doing the hired gun and you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, he's played with quite a few acts. He was in China for like two or three years too. Oh, he wow. played for like a casino show in Macau, China. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I bet so he's he got stories. I remember that being one of the, that was actually one of my favorite shows uh, when I was filling in in uh, 21 CG. Uh, the day before we flew out to Cincinnati, opening for Slash, the night before we played some dive bar in Georgia. Oh, uh, down in Columbus. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it was with the Sex Slaves. And that was such a fun show, man. That was one of my favorites. Dude, that, uh, those guys, you, you want to talk about one of the reasons why I'm still playing music. It's mm -hmm. the, I didn't uh, even, 
I never heard of the sex slaves until I started hanging out with Alex. I think Mikey was into them too. Yeah, I showed Mikey them early on, and he immediately latched on. He loved them. Yeah, like if there's two bands that are responsible for me making music right now, it's the Sex Slaves and the Wild Hearts. Nice. And I can definitely see that in the playing. No, sex, yeah. sex Slaves were uh, pretty much like a, a touring band for like 10 years or something like that, weren't they? Pretty much, yeah. And how they get? And how did they get on your radar? Because I don't remember them popping up in any radio campaigns or. Uh, um, a uh, friend of mine, a friend of mine was into them. I think she actually went out with them on a tour as their merch girl. Okay. And she turned me on to them and took me to my first sex slave show in Ground Zero. And so your first sex slave show just sounds weird now. I know, it's totally out of context. It's like, all right, y'all are having fun. At ground zero. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a music venue. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. You can never go to YouTube and just look for sex slaves. You always have to put in sex slaves in the band. You get a bunch of results you're really not looking for. Exactly. It's like, I'm sorry. I, I know there's a lot of horrible shit going on right now, but I'm looking for some music, not news reports. <laughs> but I feel like their music gets kind of bled into like all of our psyches now at this point. We play, we cover them in Super Jet. Y'all cover them in Dirtbag. Yeah, but it was the same song too. Going was, out tonight. Going out tonight. What did? Uh, oh no, we did. Uh, thank you for Jack Daniels. That's right. Well, I thought y'all also did going out a few times. Nah. Oh okay. Yeah. So yeah, they're just kind of. I did always band. joke. I have always joked with them. You know, like if the Sex Slaves had ever made it, Dirtbag would have just became a Sex Slaves tribute act. <laughs> well, Tony does have like that same kind of tonage in his voice too. Yeah, I mean that was. They were honestly like my blueprint, what they were doing. I was, especially as Dave got good on bass and started really developing that Matt Freeman sort of licks. And, you know, once he started becoming more than just a root note bass player. Right. You know, he started getting that sex slave style bass playing. They pretty much became like a blueprint of what I was going for. Yeah. And it seems like with Sex Slaves even, they were like almost to the peak of like about to make it and then they just dropped off, it felt like. Yeah. Um, well, there was there was some... Yeah, J-Bomb had a bad back and Ooh, that kind of threw a that'll do it. things and just, you know... And it's just typical band stuff that happened. I about to say. There's that. And so... Yeah, and that's all understandable. But but that last record, Call of the Wild, that's still one of my favorite just rock records to put on just to have a good time with. Oh, yeah. I love that record. All their stuff. All and and the fun thing is, too, is like every time I put it on, I always think about the Dirtbag Crew because it's like I yeah. remember Tony blasting that all the time. Of course, you liked it. Uh, Davey loved it. So it's like anytime I hear that record, I just always think of you three. And I can't help but associate it. Uh, with you guys either because I play going out tonight with fucking Davey and Tony in Superjet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's so cool how music like that really does leave an imprint on your life. You know, it's like you can always go back and listen to a certain album and it almost just kind of trans transport you back to where that was, you know? Oh, hands down. Hands down. There's certain songs that I remember 
certain places and events just with one song. Dude, opening chord. <laughs> great, great. If you want a Davy story, this is a good one. <laughs> we are in, oh, God, is it? La, it's, I think it's Lafayette, Louisiana, somewhere along. It's along Mississippi, and they had gambling. Okay. Right. So we played, we played there on a tour, and um, it was basically like a biker clubhouse, like a carport. And um, they loved us. They take us out afterwards to all these clubs. And we wind up in this hotel, or not hotel, casino. And Social D's Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes had just came out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in the casino, I heard the song uh, California, Hustle and Flow. And Davey pukes on the casino floor. <laughs> and they throw his ass out the front door like on Roadhouse by the back <laughs> of his pants and his shirt. Open the door with his head and throw him on the sidewalk. And I will <laughs> never forget that. Every time I hear social distortions, California <laughs> hustle and flow, I see Dave getting tossed in the street. Just the soundtrack of just Davey puking his guts out. <laughs> I love that. That has to be one of the greatest things I've heard in a while. <laughs> I love it. No, we were joking. Um, uh, when he, when we went up to uh, the rim to play uh, with Superjet, we had the worst time getting up there. And like the trailer, getting it was a headache. And then when we finally got it, the lights weren't wanting to work on it properly. And it's like we got it jerry-rigged just enough to get out of the parking lot. But then it's like by the time we made our first stop, we noticed it was already fucked up again. And Dave just takes one look at it, goes, do you have a pair of pliers? And Tony's like, yeah. And just breaches in, grabs one. Dave disappears for like two minutes and then looks at the lights again. He goes, all right, they're fixed. (laughs) And we're just like, what the fuck? And and Tony's just losing his mind. He goes, Davey Dirt, the man that used to ruin the lights is now fixing the lights. <laughs> right, right. I'm, I was saying the whole time about uh, Scotty is Scotty stories and Davey is Davey details. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, Davey details. <laughs> Just get shit fixed. Oh. Well, man, it definitely seems like you're having the most fun so far playing with the Chiefs. And that's no slight on Dirtbag or anything, but it's like, you know, again, band stuff. And it, it yeah. seems like it seems like you're having the most fun now playing live because unfortunately I've only gotten to see you guys play once live and the sound wasn't that great. <laughs> but I could tell right. that you yourself were still having a good time and the musician ear could hear through the limitations and tell that you know right. everything was still good. So you know, so this definitely seems like you know a good move for you uh, getting back out of Charlotte, back or really out of Atlanta technically, back up to. Yeah. Uh, now it's where you are now. So how has that whole thing been for you? I'm loving it here. Um, I mean, the music and just everything in life, this was just a great decision for me. Yeah. As far as like the enjoyment with the band, I mean, I'm older, you know, like as old as I was in Dirtbag Love Affair, we were, you know, striving to be, rock stars still. Oh yeah. You know, we still, we, you know, now I'm 41 and I'm the second youngest in the band. We know <laughs> we're not going to be rock stars. So, you know, we don't put that kind of pressure, you know, we're more mature and we're not a bunch of sloppy drunks the way dirt bag was back then. And two, this is the first time I've had a band where really all I have to do 
is write music and play music. Yeah, because every time I do know, especially in the dirtbag days, you were definitely online. You were the marketing guy online. You were putting together the graphics and you know, yeah. pimping it. You know, you you were you were you were the me in dirtbag love affair, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, and I'm really hard on myself when I'm trying to do shit. I'm trying to do it good, and so it was very stressful. And uh, you know, with this, you know, we've got a. You know, we got an independent label. We got management. Like, you know, we don't, I don't have to do anything really. You just get to be so, creative. Yeah. You know, I show up, you know, I drive the van to gigs. But other than that, you know, that's my only real responsibility <laughs> outside of writing and playing. And hell, that sounds like a fair trade-off, I was going to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally loving it. You know, that I don't, <laughs> I don't have to fret all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, man. And, and like I said, just, I, I really, I really like where, you know, the cheeses are headed and I, I kind of like where everyone that I've been talking to recently, especially through these Skype interviews, I like where everyone is heading with their music. It, it feels like through this, if there's any sort of shining light to be had through all this stupid ass COVID shit, it's like, even though we'll all go through our waves of up and downs, because it feels like all the creative people I've talked to have had their waves of, you know, feeling good about it and then feeling real down about it. But at the end yeah. of the day, everyone has been pulling themselves back up and really creating some really good stuff and gearing up for when we can get back out on the road. And man, just like I was telling Brad, I'm one of those people that I hate reaching out to people going, Hey, let's do shows. Fucker. I'm about to be whoring myself <laughs> out when this thing oh, opens yeah. back up. It's like, I, I like people. I'm not, not even from an ego thing of, I want people to come to me, but it's just, I feel awkward. I'm not going to be feeling awkward no more, man. I don't care. I'll be yeah. hitting everybody up. Let's do shows. Because <laughs> you know everybody's going to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. I, I got to get in there first. <laughs> okay, let's just all in. Like, already, we were kind of on a slowdown as it was. Like last year, we were just insane with shows. And pretty much since you guys saw us play with the Super Suckers, I don't think we've played six shows since then. No, because we I were, think uh, was the Hank Von Hell before or after that? that was it was before. before the Super Suckers. Okay, because I feel yeah, like so you guys had one more like real nice high profile gig after Super Suckers. Yeah, we might have had one, and then we've done some lo little local stuff. Nothing. Now yeah. uh, we played Harrisburg and Philly and Altoona. We've done some stuff outside of Pittsburgh, but nothing really big. You know, our schedule slows down in December and January, February, just because of the weather up here. You never right. know what's going to happen. So we don't book like a lot or too far away then. So it's like we were just getting back to bookings starting this month. Shows God. were starting to happen again. And now it's, you know, who knows? We've got right now, we've got stuff in July, but is that going to happen? I know it. I keep yeah, saying that Rim Rocks might very, very well be our first show back, and that's not guaranteed. And I don't know. I'm knocking all the wood, hoping that it does come through. Yeah, yeah but also think about it. If that is the first show that all of us finally get to do is like our first after all of this shit. Imagine how much of a party that's going to be. God. Right. Well, that's <laughs> one thing. Uh, this whole thing, you know, not just that show. I was telling Todd, you know. Obviously, local shows are going to come back before 
the Motley Crue Stadium tour or something. Yeah, so, yeah. and man, I feel bad for Tuck on that one because that was oh, a yeah. that was a chance of a fucking lifetime, and then bam, yeah. that gets postponed too. Yeah, but it's like you know, this might be an opportunity for the the little guys now because we're all people, on the same playing field. Well, we might be it's we might be the only live music there is out there for a while is the yeah. tiny bands. And you know what? They might come out and they might buy your album and a t-shirt this time because they don't, didn't spend $500 to see the Rolling Stones. That's true. Yep. They, they didn't you know, spend over a grand on epicenter tickets. That's the positive where I'm focusing myself. I'm hoping that people that normally wouldn't be out supporting the local guys will be. And these venues are going to have so many like, you know, charity shows and so many, you know, like back, back to work bashes and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and like I said, like we were talking about on pre-roll, it's just like, God, as soon as we fucking get vinyl, I know <laughs> it's all this shit goes down. <laughs> so it's like, we had big plans too. We were getting shows booked out the ass. Yeah. It, it sucks. But uh, everybody's in the same boat too. And now I'm more excited after you just got through saying that Devin, that folks will start packing small shows hopefully yeah because and, and again something else we've talked about with a few different people is you know especially with all the instagram and facebook live things it's like everyone's on the same playing field right now you know so yeah. it's like it's on you to stay relevant and then to fucking kill it when we're allowed to go back outside and have fun again <laughs> like me and brian mayer from queen are doing the exact same shit right now Exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly. and that's such a and that's so weird to think about. It's like it doesn't matter if you packed out stadiums. Guess what? You're playing to your phone right now, just like I am. Yeah, <laughs> just like that concert benefit show they had last night streaming. That uh, whatever that thing Lady Gaga put on. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch any of the performances of that? No, no. I didn't see any of those. Yeah. There was a, it was the Roll, the Rolling Stones did one. You know, and they're in four separate rooms doing you can't always get what you want. How weird is how weird was that? Was it just kind of like, uh is this, is Yeah, it, it was very odd. Uh, and, yeah, I can see that. You know, Charlie wasn't on a full drum kit or anything. I really couldn't tell what he was playing because I just saw a Twitter video. But yeah, it looked like he was playing buckets and a phone book. <laughs> uh, you know, Elton John, wow. he. Elton John's on a little baby grand piano in his driveway. And, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of, it is kind of cool to see like guys like that. That's how they're all doing it, you know? Well, one of the ones I thought was cool, uh, Jimmy Fallon's been doing like the concert at home series. Um, and one of them that popped up on my radar was uh, Billy Joe from uh, Green Day. He did a cover yes. of, um, I think we're alone now. And yeah. he did it super smart because he's got an at-home studio. So he recorded all his drum parts, recorded bass and vocal and everything, put out a YouTube cover. But then when he did the live show, he stripped out his vocal and one guitar. So as soon as it cut to him, you saw him press his space bar on his computer and you could tell he had a click in his ear and then yeah. he started playing along and then he's got like his backtrack playing while he's playing a live guitar and vocal on top of it. Yeah. He did. Uh, he released a, a video of him doing uh, Manic Monday too. Dude, that was fan fucking tastic. I like that one too. Yeah, that was good. 
Yeah, and actually, uh, that was the inspiration for, uh, by the time this episode comes out, the video will already be out. Uh, but we did a video for the last song on our record, Drown Your Blues, which, by the way, go look at it on YouTube, motherfuckers. Go the fucking boost those <laughs> views. We don't have anything better to do other than watch videos, watch ours. But anyway, um, what we did is uh, we kind of took inspiration from that. Uh, everyone filmed their parts in their houses, and they sent me all the video files, and I kind of stitched them together and you know put it out as the video that's out there now. Um, and so that, that was just a real fun thing to do. And I think it's just really interesting seeing the way bands and creative people are still trying to connect like that and still produce music, you know, all the way down to the Rolling Stones doing a live stream from four separate rooms. Yeah, it's so odd to me. <laughs> see, I see. I would like to do something like that, but my paranoia would be lag. Exactly, a slight, a slight bit of lag, and then everyone fucking gets off time. Exactly. <laughs> I like the one. I like the ones where it's just a singer and an acoustic guitar, just kind of like uh, giving like backstory on a song and then just playing the song. Mm -hmm. Eddie Spaghetti's been doing some of that. Paul Stanley did a few. <laughs> I love the Paul Stanley ones because he's like at the end of every one, he's like. Please stay home. We don't know what the the doctors say or anything like that. He's like super like dad about it. It's hilarious. Uh, getting lectured by the star child. What fucking world are we living in? I won't sing it because we all know this isn't a performance. Yeah, that was his way of getting around uh, not having a live vocal yeah. <laughs> or a backtrack rather. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, man, we've had a fucking great time, and I think this has been a pretty fun episode. But since you do listen to the show, you know we're not fully done yet. It's time for us to dig on into our Spotify playlist, and we're going to figure out what the hell we've been listening to. What you listening to, son? I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. <laughs> Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. All right, Cap, what the hell have you been listening to? We're all friends here. What's been everybody's favorite track off this new wildlife record? Ooh. I haven't gotten to listen intently enough yet. I would gotcha. say either, like I said in the last episode, either Deathbed or... Honestly, man, I've always liked Neon Nightmare yeah. ever since it came out. That that was a solid one for me, and that one still holds pretty true on this. Yeah, I think it's probably like top three best songs on there. I keep going back to Kiss and Tell, though. I like The Falcon. The Falcon's cool, yeah. too. I have not gotten to give it a proper listen. The other day, it was on like as background noise while I was doing something, but to, gotcha. to really sit down and give it a proper listen to, I don't think I could pick anything out, but the Falcon does stick with me right now. I think that's like one like the oddball track on the record, but it works for them for sure. Yeah, that's probably why it sticks out so much for me. And you know what? Going right back to what we were talking about earlier in the episode, that's them still evolving a little bit. So it, again, yeah. that's just all all of all our friends seem to be evolving in their bands, and I like that. Yeah. Other than wildlife, just a lot of blue oyster cult because it's pandemic times, and why not? Blue oyster cult is great soundtrack music for that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. All right, Devin, what the hell have you been listening to? Dude, my stuff is all over the board. Do it. Well, I, I I love the the uh, rapper Yellow Wolf. Okay, all right. I still haven't done a deep dive on him yet. I love his stuff. His yeah, 
That's been one. I'm trying to pick out some stuff that you guys may not know that yeah. has been like. Um, so I don't know if you guys listen to Sirius XM, but no, um, I don't have it. On Ozzy's Boneyard, there's a DJ, Tommy London. Mm-hmm. And, I know, uh, I know that name. He used to be the singer for the Dirty Pearls up in okay. New. York. He's got some. He's got a few singles out. And dude, they are so like sugary pop. <laughs> and like there's keyboards in there that's just like uh I don't even know. It's so poppy, but there's some really good shit in it. And I really dig his it's good, it's fun to listen to. That's Hell the yeah. thing. Anytime I hear his music, it puts a smile on my face. It's one of those that's just fun. Tommy London. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I found, uh, I've been digging into Starbenders, and that, that's kind of that fun band for me. It's super poppy. It's got a little bit of a rock grit, but it's, it's exactly what you're just describing on that. What was the other yeah. one? Um, Yellow Wolf, Tommy London. I was trying to see if there was something else, really. I, no, I, I listened to just, I found a playlist of uh, Little Stevens Underground on Spotify and I just, I listened to that so much. All the girl groups. I've been listening to the girl group stuff quite a bit. Uh, if you hadn't heard them yet, check out heavy tiger. Yes, I have heard them. Okay. Oh my God. They are so fucking good. That's one thing I've been listening to. I think cat commented on that band Marvel. Yeah. With the umlauts over the a. Oh yeah. 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 I know what you're talking about. Dude. I had never heard them. And that uh, cover of Sultans of Swing came up. Like I was listening to some playlist and it came to the end. So Spotify was just putting on there what they thought should go next. And that came up and I was like, holy shit, this is good. (laughs) Damn, Spotify, you got me right this time. (laughs) Yeah, they've got me pegged. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think Robert Person uh, produced their last record too. Okay. And that that was one I've been digging into. I've talked about for so many episodes. This Robert Persons Humbucker is a band. I I cannot get enough of that fucking band, dude. Oh, my God. But no, uh, have you heard of them? I've heard the name, but I haven't really listened. Dude, if you like Imperial State Electric and helicopters and Marvel, <laughs> it is it's it falls right in step and toe with that stuff, man. You will love it. And I am going to jump into it for sure. Definitely. But my recommendations, they're a little bit off the wall. I'm going to pick a handful of singles because not too many full records have come out recently. Might as well throw a little extra love to Home for the Day, too. Uh, they've yep. got their new EP out on Bandcamp, three bucks. I think, what, five songs, six songs? Something like that. <clears throat> and we actually feature on one of them, a track called Escape. Cat uh, plays a little extra solo leads, and I do a little vocal part in it. It's real fun. It's our drummers, uh, other bands, so definitely go check that out. But I want to throw a little spotlight to War Boys. They put out a new singer, fi- a singer, wow. <laughs> single, Fire in the Void. Uh, that John kept saying it was like a new one, and he was all worried and experimental and shit. He with was it. talking about this on Gabba Gabba Hum about how he's like super OCD about it. But it's their song they've been ending their set with for the last few years. I know it. <laughs> and that's like when I heard it, I was like, oh, shit, it's that song. I know this one. <laughs> it's good, too. And um, another band uh, I want to throw a little bit of love to. I talked about them um, a handful of episodes ago when uh, I got their vinyl record. But uh, Rosser, 
uh, they finally put out uh, another single on Spotify, Lover Boy, which was my favorite off the vinyl, which not all the tracks are on there yet. But guys, if you haven't checked out Rosser yet, definitely do it. Uh, it's a little bit more uh, new wavy, power pop, power punk kind of vibe to it than maybe some of the usual stuff. But if you like Blondie, if you like the cars, if you like a little bit of that late 70s, early 80s, rocky new wave kind of vibe, then you'll like this. It feels right in line with that. Devin, you'll probably appreciate this. I want to say uh, Dan Dixon produced it. Yeah, he did. Getting phone calls and shit. Damn. Yeah, I'm an important man. <laughs> but yeah, Dan Dixon even uh, produced that record. Uh, the guy that does uh, the Tuck stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, down in uh, down Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did the roster record. So it's still got that same vibe and sound to it. But with like an 80s blondie kind of approach. Yeah. And man, I know that Chiefs record should be coming out if the virus hadn't fucking eaten it away. <laughs> yeah, we were shooting for right around the beginning of June. Yeah. But, but um, now, who the hell knows? Everyone's understanding on that, though. But you got some good new music coming your way and all that good stuff. Are you guys going to try to do a digital release in the meantime to... Uh, before your next announcement, uh, when it get, uh, gets pressed or whatever? I don't know. Actually, we haven't talked about that, but that would not be a bad idea. Yeah, that's a single. Songs. Yeah, I mean, I've put out there to them that, you know, for the future even, we might look at just like, you know, release a four-song digital only. Four-song oh. digital only. Space it out, like put out two four-song digital EPs a year. That seems the, uh, to be that seems to be the new model, uh, yeah. With the digital age right, right now, sense. isn't it? Yeah, and doing. I'm seeing a lot of bands too. They'll just do a single at a time, so that way it's all like it keeps you in the news. Yep. You know, it keeps your face out there. It's a constant delivery instead of here's twelve songs all at once, and then they forget about you in a month. You know, I, I think we're going to wind like up I'm going saying. down that route this year since we've already got the vinyl and we're going to be pushing that. We've got new songs, though. It's like I think we're just going to release a bunch of digital singles but still push the record because it's just more yeah. fun that way. You get to release more music. And plus, as an artist, I like having cover art for a bunch of different stuff. So it's like to make artwork for each song, that's fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. See, I think in the future we might just, you know, do do just digital only for like three, four song EPs or something, and then we'll package it all into one album to sell on vinyl after the third one comes out or something. That's I've mentioned that to those guys recently. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Well, hell yeah, man. Well, hopefully at the end of this episode, if you're able to, because you, you got a couple weeks lead time, hopefully you can talk to Todd between then and now, see if he'll approve a song going on the end of this. But if not, you can just send me a recommendation for the cheats that'll be at the end of this episode. And again, seriously, Devin, thank you so much for coming on here. Uh, I've, we got to get, we got to get a full dirtbag reunion episode one day. It, it, try yeah. to get, try to get you, Tony and Davey on a room uh, with me and Cap, and we'll just a Zoom conference podcast. <laughs> oh, not even Zoom conference. I'm just when all this is lifted, in it, some way, shape, or form, if we're all able to get in the same room together, that would be just yeah, the craziest episode with everyone being in room and then the same person. The vibe that'll be there. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun as shit. That that would be the nuttiest yeah. episode we've recorded. <laughs> Let's do it at Rim Rocks when that. Uh, oh my God! Yes, that would be the perfect time. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure something out on that. But again, we'll have you back on, even if it is just another Skype call, because I feel like we could, we've, we've kind of gone through some music stuff. I feel like we could go gear talk for an entire episode almost. Oh, Lord. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just have, yeah. every, have everybody just tune the fuck out. <laughs> hey, we, we try to do episodes. We do episodes for everyone. We do nerdy episodes. We do music episodes and we do gear episodes and then episodes that are only fun for us. We're all guitar, <laughs> we're all guitar players. Yeah. So screw it. You either listen or you don't. It's a fucking free show. There, there's your outro. <laughs> <laughs> no, Captain, you have an outro for us. I can't top that. <laughs> Titties and beer. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's the titties and beer. Thank you for listening. Please insert another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com/slash something good network.